Hello and welcome to the We Love Betting Weekend Preview in association with Gambler. Hi guys, I hope you're well. Hope you've had a great Christmas too. Mark O'Hare here from We Love Betting. It's New Year's Eve. The majority of the country is in lockdown. It's all pretty bleak. It's all pretty miserable. But thankfully, the football is still going. And I'm delighted to be joined by my two trusted lieutenants, Tom Love and Will Dyer, as we look ahead to the New Year's card that's coming up this weekend. So, uh, Tom Love, um, anyone who backed you to be up before 9am on Christmas Day got their fingers badly burnt. But uh, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, your nap landed as South End did the business. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, ho- I hope them people have, have kind of relieved that the nap did land because, to be honest, anyone backing that is um, an idiot, despite what all the <laughs> despite what all the tipsters said. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was great to get um, a nap winner there. But buzzing really for Southend because they've been through a lot, obviously th- this season. Um, delighted for Mark Mosley as well, who, who's kind of. Done better than most managers would be able to do there. Um, so yeah, I, I thought they were full, fully deserving of the three points. And um, yeah, they're they're, on, they're a team in decent form, and you can't really look at the table um, too much with them because there's been such a turnaround. Uh, the mood has completely lifted there as well. So yeah, delighted to bank that nap winner. Um, hopefully another one this week. Good stuff. Uh, Will Dyer's also here. Will, I'll try not to mention Swindon too much. Sorry about that. But uh, you landed your long shot last weekend. A red card in the Villa v Palace game. 5-1. to one. Well played. Yeah, thanks. They've now uh, Villa and Palace games have now accounted for full-on 50% of all red cards in the Premier League. So um, <laughs> maybe something to continue, continue on. And yeah, it was a bit of a, a different um podcast for me last week with the, the naps and the next bests didn't come in. But the long shot and a couple other um game of the week punts did so yeah bit of a change for me yeah uh okay before we get into the games uh i just wanted to ask you both if there's any sort of punting resolutions that you'd uh, advise heading into 2021 anything you've learned anything you've learned to avoid maybe that you could pass on to listeners so uh, i'll go to you tom first anything that you think should be shared um, I, I just think, especially in the EFL this this season, I think that it's been very unpredictable in kind of the one by two markets. Obviously, the no fans factor is massive, and it's seen a really kind of erratic flurry of results. It's gone on pretty much all season. No, no teams kind of hitting those heights week in week out. Uh, you've seen the likes of Peterborough in League One on fantastic runs and then go six without a win and yeah there's not many teams that you can trust from that perspective so I'd kind of look at maybe avoiding odds on shots um, in the EFL I know that's a a rule that you kind of used to follow Mark that you've kind of thrown out the window a bit but I think it it does have um, some merit especially in these times where there's just absolutely no consistency with results. So I'd kind of be very wary of that and I'd maybe look at teams who are a little bit bigger and maybe take them on the draw no bet or take them on some kind of handicap so you get two results on your side. Um, And maybe even look at the draw a bit more often. Um, The draw is quite often the biggest price of the three and um, not many people 
punt on the draw because when you're betting, you tend to want something to cheer on. And it's kind of a, a weird scenario to be in to back the draw and try and cheer that on. You want to be um, kind of gunning for one team or the other. But um, it does seem to be landing, landing quite often. Um, teams are very well matched, especially in the championship. Um, uh, and even in League 1 and League 2 at the minute, there's not much between them. Um, so, yeah, I'd kind of steer clear of the 1x2 in the EFL. That would be my main resolution for this year anyway. Wise words. Over to you, Will. Anything to, to share with the guys? I've got two things. They're not necessarily revolutionary, but um, kind of two things to stand by. Uh, one is just always be ready for change. I think in 2020, I kind of shifted maybe up to about 80% of my betting turnover onto to cards, red cards, and penalty markets. Um, and there's been a lot of things that have impacted that or affected it during the year with VAR, changes in referee rules, further bookie coverage, making you know alternative markets available for me. But um, And then with penalties, the influx of them is kind of, that edge is kind of gone. So you, you have to just always be on, on the lookout for, for new niches, really. Um, and I'll probably do that in 2021 with, without those penalty bets, maybe, or or kind of look towards the alternatives with goal scorer uh, bets for penalty takers. Um, and then the other one is just to never be too reactionary to to um, to information and, and probably reduce your leagues as well. Um, my, my I mean, in-play bets, I think, often are very guilty of, of reacting to, to a piece of information. Um, so what I tend to do is stick to pre-match. Um, that's not to say that you can't have have a bit of fun betting in play or or find some value, but um, I tend to try and construct my own prices really for for pre-match for pre-match rather than reacting to looking at the odds first. Um, and it can be frustrating because you can do your research and then end up finding that there's no bet when you see the odds. But but that's um, one of my other things really is not to react too much. Yeah, wise words. I'd also kind of echo that, those points from the guys, particularly Will's there at the end, to, to not be drawn into sort of media narratives either. Um, try and have your own opinions because quite often uh, it's results driven, what you hear and read in the media, where quite often what's happened in the 90 minutes in terms of performance is often undervalued compared to what's happened to the final whistle. So plenty to, to food for thought there, but uh, let's move on because uh, there's a couple of cracking games we want to talk about in depth. We're going to start in the Premier League as we always do the game of the weekend, which probably would be Manchester City's trip to Chelsea. But at the time of recording, there's still a little bit of confusion over whether that game goes ahead. It probably will go ahead, but the odds aren't freely available. So instead, we focused our attentions on Monday night. Uh, St Mary's, Southampton take on Liverpool. A very interesting matchup this. Uh, Southampton around 4-1. to one. Liverpool trading around the 4-6 to six mark, which is about 1.66 in decimals. Uh, Tom, Liverpool lead the league table, but like all of the teams, they've not really looked... Completely composed all of the time, quite erratic at times, and particularly away from home when the results haven't really followed some of their performances. So what's your take on this one? Uh, what's the best bet? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting bet in heat, this, because it's two teams that aren't really showing their best form at the minute, I don't think. And my, my angle is to actually oppose goals here. Um, I don't really want to back Liverpool uh, around four to six, but... Um, you could make a case for Southampton, but they, they've not been getting any, any decent results of late. I think they've gone far without a win now. And, yeah, you, it's interesting that under two and a half goals is 13 to 10. 
there or thereabouts. So whenever I see something like that, I, my eyes will in, instantly go to the uh, the Asian Go line, and you can get under three at 1.88 with Bet365, which looks like a, a nice way in. So basically there you want in um, under three goals for a full payout, but if there's exactly three goals, then you get your stake returned, and the only way you'd lose your stake is if there was four or more goals. And that does appeal. Obviously, we saw Newcastle against Liverpool the other night. It, it was quite a quite a good game for a nil-nil, to be fair. But again, Liverpool, they, they look all right on the data when you're looking at their averages, averaging around two expected goals for per game. But just they're, they're not really getting more than two expected goals at the minute. I mean, 1.47 against Newcastle. 1.69 against West Brom, who have the worst um, XG data in the league. Uh, they won 7-0 at Palace, but their XG was only 2.77 there. 1.09 against Spurs. They had 0.32 away at Brighton as well. Um, so they're, they're not showing their, their clinical best at the minute. I think that They've had a few kind of one ones here and there, so I, I won't be put putting anyone off the draw as well here. Um, Saints have also drawn quite a few as well, um, but how often have Liverpool won by the odd goal away from home? Uh, so what I'd say is, if you are inclined to take Liverpool, uh, I'd be more looking towards them to win by exactly one goal, which is fourteen to five with spread X. Um, which to me looks like a fine way in. I'd probably go one unit on that and uh, two units on under three Asian goals here. They'd be my two selections, just because we saw how often Liverpool won by one goal last season away from home. And I was actually a bit disappointed when I was looking at the data for Southampton this season. They've actually got a bit lucky, whereas in the past they've been a bit unlucky. The data's always been decent. Um, that might be down to stuff like game state. They might be going two goals up and then sitting back a bit more, um, whereas they were chasing a few more games last season, perhaps. Um, and obviously the the omission of Hassan Hutel, who's going to be staying at home, um, might play a bit of a factor too. So, yeah, a, a lot of Saints games have ended kind of 2-0 at home. They've had a 1-0 defeat against Man City as well. The only real standout games have been against Spurs and Man United. But um, I think they'll be a bit less naive here. And um, yeah, the under three goals on the Asian line looks like a nice way in. But um, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna take Liverpool to win by one goal. Just because the price looked a bit big to me at 14-5, to five, considering they're around 4-6 to six to win. Um, I do expect it to be quite tight. Interesting, yeah, Liverpool haven't been beating the handicap too often away from home this calendar year. Certainly the under three goals angle is something I looked at in depth as well. But it's over to you then, Will. Andre Mariner, I think, is the referee for this one. Not the greatest for cards. So what have you got for us? No, he's not the greatest. I think we could have quite a, a boring game here. Um, like mm. Tom mentioned as well, on goals as well. Um, yeah, Liverpool obviously pointed out that they... They're not doing much against some of the league's uh, lesser lights, even away from home particularly. Um, and Saints haven't scored in the last three games now, two of those being quite winnable ties as well against Fulham and West Ham. 
Um, that one nil defeat to City was a solid result in fairness, but um, only conceded two goals in the last four. So you can kind of flip it on on its head there. But basically, that shows how kind of low scoring it's been of late. And maybe that's fixture congestion. Um, but it sort of depends how you paint the stats, really, I guess. Um, for me, I think Saints have slightly overperformed, not on defensively, but in front of goal. Um, they've scored 25 from an expected 18 uh, this season. Um, and without Ings' clinical finishing, as he missed four of the last nine games, that's kind of tailed off that that overperformance. Um on Boxing Day, they did have two goals ruled out, but otherwise it was only three attempts um, against Fulham for for Saints. So not brilliant from them of late. I think it was unsustainable that they stayed near the head of the table, really. But Hassan Hootel doing a, a great job nonetheless. So I can't really take too much away from them. I think they're about where we expected. And I, I expect we'll just have a bit more consistency now rather than a overperformance and then a, a big run without goals like they've just had. Um, but I wouldn't expect them to be scoring, definitely not scoring more than one really here. So, um, yeah, and Liverpool just look a bit predictable, don't they, at the moment? Like, they're overdoing it um, in midfield. Curtis Jones was definitely uh, guilty of that a couple of games ago um, when they slipped up with that. Um, was it the West, was it West Brom scoring against them? Um, and, yeah, um, four days off, I guess. They'll welcome that. Um, may He might... I'd have expected them to make some changes otherwise if they hadn't had four days off because, yeah, they've really not really looked too good in the last couple of matches. Thiago making his comeback, which which might see um, a bit of an improvement there. Um, so originally I did look at uh, a Liverpool clean sheet. Um, that Obviously the back line had been ravaged and that kind of explained maybe why they've only had five clean sheets in 16 matches. But now they've obviously, for a fair few games now, had their... They're starting fullbacks back, and otherwise, if you cut out the kind of abomination of that seven-two defeat to Villa, <laughs> um, they've only conceded thirteen goals in the other fifteen games. But the seven-to-four about a clean sheet just wasn't really tempting enough. It's it's a horrible bet, really, isn't it? To, to kind of follow for interest anyway. So, um, and yeah, the maybe that eight to thirteen would be interesting if you for a Liverpool win if you if they hadn't had a bit better away form, but um, three points is not good enough against those uh, Fulham, Newcastle and Brighton. Um, you expect three points in total. I mean, so three draws or at when odds on favorites, you'd, you'd, you'd have wanted more than that. Um, although Klopp is kind of saying that, you know, it's meaningless where they are at the top of the table right now and, and that they're happy where they are. But um, what I looked at was cards. Cause I just didn't really fancy anything else over there. Um, that Liverpool have had under 1.5 cards, so just one or, or zero cards in 18 of the last 23 games in all competitions, which is which is crazy, really. Um, mm-hmm. It was pointed out on Prime Video that they were the least carded team in the league, and that they only had that, although they had three against Newcastle last night. Um, previous three games prior to that had all been blanks for for their fair play record, so. Um, and Liverpool's opponents have had the most bookings in 14 of those 23 games as well. So that's 61%. Um, and, and basically, you can get Southampton most booking points at 5-4 to four with William Hill, um, which would obviously suggest more like 40% chance. Uh, well, yeah, 45% chance compared to a 61% chance. So it seems a bit of value. Obviously, we have to consider Southampton's record as well. Um, 
they pick up a fair few more cards per game um, than Liverpool, um, as does everyone in the league. But in terms of cards against them, it's both quite similar. Saints have um, 1.94 cards uh, per, per game against them, and Liverpool have 1.87. So actually, Saints opposition picking up slightly more. Um, but yeah, um, I think that there's still a bit of value in in the Southampton um, most bookings there. Uh, and as well as that, then I kind of still wanted to get on Liverpool's um, low cards themselves. Um, and you can get, I mean, it's too short, just but it's, it's worth adding to to a bet builder. But uh, Liverpool under two cards is is one to two. Um, and obviously that's one in 18 of 23 games in all competitions. It's one to two at bet 365 that. I've doubled it with Liverpool over four corners, um, which looks quite good given that I think we do think it could be low scoring. There could be another situation where Liverpool are pushing for a win and can't get it until late in the game. Um, and on the cards, on the corners front, um, Liverpool are averaging 5.7 per game, which is the fifth most, while Saints give away the sixth most, uh, 5.25 per game. So I would expect five car- five corners to be hit. Um and then doubling that with with uh, under two cards for Liverpool, that's even money at Bet365. Um, and Mariner, yeah, is averaging just 2.24 yellows per game uh, through nine games so far in the Premier League. So I, I very much chance that we see zero cards again here, which has happened in quite a lot of Liverpool games this season. Um, one other thing just worth considering is that he has given six pens in 10 games as well, Mariner, but... Um, I'll probably wait for lineups on pen takers on that one. Interesting stuff. Some good angles there from the guys, just to add as well, that I've had a little nose around earlier in the week. I'm not sure if the price is still there, but you could get around four to five on Liverpool double chance and under three and a half goals as well, if you don't want to oppose the Saints and oppose goals too. Uh, Okay, let's move on. Uh, Tom put out his poll on Wednesday to see which game you wanted the guys to preview from outside of the Premier League. Normally it's a European game, but we're staying closer to home this time around because the old firm fixture from Ibrox, Ibrox even, won quite comfortably. Um, a little bit sad we weren't able to cover the Seville derby, but uh, don't ever say we don't give you what you want. So Rangers are 16 points clear on New Year's Eve, which is quite incredible, really. And they're hovering around even money for this one. Celtic 11 to 4 is available. Rangers went off as favourites at Parkhead in their last meeting and actually won that game too. Uh, Celtic were in the midst of all sorts of injury and illness related issues back then. They've not really improved a huge amount since. So I'll come back to you, Will, for your first question here. It's normally quite a feisty affair. So what have you found for us from the old firm? Yeah, it is indeed. What a what a hogmanay in stall for our Scottish listeners. Uh, <laughs> listening to a couple, a few Englishmen previewing their their big derby. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, cards is a tough one with this. The, the lines are so high. Unfortunately, I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna have a bet on the cards really because of that. But I'll go into it. Um, yeah, sixteen points ahead in the league. Obviously, three games in hand is has a massive impact on that. Um, so I don't think it's over yet, but clearly Rangers are playing out of their skin and, and Celtic have had a lot of problems. Um, yeah, Rangers got revenge um, over St. Mirren last time out. Um, Mirren had beaten them in the in the League Cup <laughs> a couple of weeks back. Um, there was a patchy performance, according to, to Gerard, um, And actually, albeit against the St. Mirren uh, side that had um, hit their best form, um, 
since 1988 as well in, in best position in the league as well. So uh, it's made it 13 wins in a row for Rangers. Best start for them since 1928. Um, defensive solidity is ridiculous. Five conceded in 21 games, which is an overperformance um, on the XG against. Says that they should have conceded nine by now, but still kind of incredible going. Um, and that's what's built up that 16-point gap, really. Um and it's reflected in the expected points table too as well. So Celtic are where where ex- expected points would have them behind behind Rangers. Um, what I had noticed was obviously Kimar Roof has been getting the, the nod up front ahead of Morelos lately, which as well wouldn't be good for our cards bets if Morelos didn't feature. Um, and yeah, Roof is 11 to 5 to score anytime at 888 Sport. He's uh, 10 goals in his last, last 14 appearances for them. Some screamers included in there. Um, Morelos did play against St Mirren um, and that moved Roof back out left wide on the left um, while Ryan Kent was dropped to the bench but he's been kind of he's not started Morelos like uh, prior to that he hadn't started for about six games he'd been just featuring here and there so I, I think Roof right now could represent some value on a, on a goal scorer market um, as you mentioned Rangers are sort of even money favourites for this uh, so I've kind of do fancy these two sides have scored an insane amount of goals, although it don't won't always come to fruition in a in a derby game. Um, I do think eleven to five is is a decent price, and it's quite a bit shorter elsewhere. Um, uh, yeah, and many of I guess many of Rangers' stats, like the fact that they've scored two plus in fifteen of the last seventeen, they've been winning at halftime and full time in twelve of the last thirteen. They're all a bit morphed though when you consider the fact it is Celtic. Um, and I actually, for some reason, had it in my head this this was at Celtic Park, um, so I didn't even really look into the the match odds for so because they were eleven to eight to win that game in October, weren't they? And now they're evens here, so I think that price is probably f- uh, decent enough and maybe it's maybe worth backing. But I'd kind of avoided that. Um, hopefully, Tom's looked into that and not thought it was at the Ibrox the, uh, or the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it seems more of a reflection of Celtic's form, I guess that. That that price, um, even though they have recovered, they've had, they've scored ten and conceded none in their last four SPFL fixtures, and they obviously won the cup final against Hearts um, recently on penalties. But Celtic's issues have um, definitely not been not been hidden, and Callum McGregor apparently has been awful lately for them. They've got goalkeeping issues. Um, Neil Lennon has said Barkas will is confirmed to start in goal, but they've been chopping and changing there. And he hasn't impressed. Um, and I think, yeah, just I'd say overall Rangers are the worthy favourites. Um, but I I did look into as well. I kind of wanted to get, I did look at cards. Um, Bobby Madden is the ref and he's he's red carded Rangers 10 times in 40 games and Celtic only four in 40. So maybe he has a bit of a penchant towards Rangers. Um, <laughs> and overall, um, he gives yeah 1.85 cards per game to, to Rangers compared to only 1.25 to Celtic. But this obviously could be as a result of Celtic's dominance in previous years. Um, he's only ever refed three old firms. And in all three of them, he's given a, a red card. Um, so it was a, worth, it was a worthy avenue to look into. And as I said, I will look at the price at the end rather than <laughs> the beginning. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I got to the price. It's only nine to four for a red card here. Um, so I, I just don't think there's enough price in that to, to get me to get me to back it, really. Um, 
he also averages the joint most pens um, in SPFL, though, at 0.36 per game. Um, and uh, so I looked into that. Uh, but first, yeah, also just probably worth mentioning that neither side has had a red card yet this season. And both have been incredibly low on cards. Southwick only 15 cards in 18 games and Rangers 14 and 21. Um, both have kind of fouled per game quite low as well, considering you'd think they'd be on the ball more and be drawing fouls more. They're, they're kind of 7th and 11th on fouled per game stats. So um, not really anything to, to get excited with um, on the cards front. And yeah, it's 1 to 5 for over 45 booking points, which <laughs> which means you can get 27 to 10 on the unders, um, which is... Probably probably has some legs in it, I think, but it's just not something I also want to back because you, you never know, it might erupt here. Um, but Bobby Madden averages 33 booking points per game uh, lifetime, and it's gone down to 26 this season. So everything's kind of pointing me to more towards the unders if I was to, to play that. But like I said, he's 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 good for penalties. He's, um, he's, he's, he's got that high average lifetime. There's been six in the last 17 old firms. Um, and I put up James Tavernier to score in October um, in in that last meeting. He hasn't scored now in his last five games, um, but over the season, it's, it's, he's still incredible. He's got 15 in 32 starts. Um, and uh, yeah, he takes penalties, he takes free kicks, he gets incredibly forward. Um, a penalty to be taken is only seven to four best price. Um, and there's only one bookie that's so far priced up um, Rangers to score a penalty and that's seven to two with Betfair. Um, so I prefer, much prefer Tavernier to score any time with the same bookie with Betfair or Paddy Power. Um, he's he's ten to three, just so just a tick under Betfair to score a penalty, and you obviously then get the advantage of him potentially scoring from open play or from a free kick as well. Um, so for me, it is it's James Tavernier and Kemar Roof to both to score any time. Um, and maybe, you know, I'll consider looking at lineups and maybe maybe cards if if Morelos is, is involved. But um, otherwise, I think uh, overall, the team cards front is probably no, no worth, it's maybe worth betting on the unders, if anything. Yeah, Tom, it's, uh, it's a tricky one to try and get a handle on this game at Rangers against Celtic on, uh, on Saturday. What's your angle? It, it is, um, but I'm just looking at the stats this season and it, there's just one that's just so overwhelming that I can't not back it and it's Rangers to win to nil which is 11 to 4 with spread X which I think is a brilliant price knocking on the door 3 to 1 that Rangers have won to nil in 9 of the 10 home games this season and 7 of 11 away so they're doing it home and away but at Ibrox they're particularly solid and for me, whenever I watch Celtic, they're just lacking any kind of cohesion in the final third. I think that Gerard deserves a lot of praise, to be honest, for what he has done. Um, you'd think that it would have taken quite a few years for them to get up and uh, challenge Celtic for the title, and it looks like they're running away with it now. And they look by far the better team. They've kind of shown, shown Celtic up in Europe as well. Um, Celtic got dumped out of their Europa League group, uh, battered in most of them games too. Whereas Rangers have, have performed well and I think they've got through. So, yeah, and, and I kind of thought, well, a Rangers winning to nil um, quite fortuitously. 
but it doesn't look to be the case when I'm looking into the data. They actually boast a quite outrageous 84% share of the expected goals ratio, which is probably the best in any league this season. Um, it's very rare that you see anyone above 70% in that regard. Uh, averaging just 0.28 expected goals against from open play, which is just outstanding. Um, and they've also scored two or more goals in 15 of their last 17 in the league, so no wonder they're winning comfortably. Um a team with that kind of record is a bet uh, around even money for me, uh, but I'm much ra- rather inclined to bet the winter nil at a bigger price here, just given it, it has landed in 90% of the home games this season, which is ridiculous. Um, Celtic are actually averaging fewer than one expected goal from open play this season, and that's against all the teams. It's not just against the top six, um, which is really poor, I think, especially given the disparity in um, quality between the old firm and the rest of the league, whereas uh, Rangers are, are right up there in that regard, around 1.6. So, yeah, for me, I think that at the odds, Rangers are fine. Um, it's You wouldn't have expected this last season or the season before, but I think if you're getting odds against, that's, that's a bet for me. But, yeah, I'm I'm just going to take them to win to nil here at 11-4. to four. Um, I would look at the cards uh, a bit more in depth once we kind of get lineups. I did think Tavernier was a little bit big um, at around 7-2. But, again, uh, there's a few players that, that are around even money. And um, I'm not sure this game has had as many cards as we would come to expect, especially with it being behind closed doors. So, um, I'm not sure what the line's at, uh, but if we're talking kind of a, a line of six, 6.5 or even 5.5, I, I might be inclined to take the unders um, because it, it just doesn't have that fire that it does when the, the crowd's there. It's one of the games to watch in the world when there is a crowd there. Um, although of late, they've kind of hardly had any away fans in, which is a, a real shame because it does add to the atmosphere when you've got uh, about 5,000 or more away fans. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just going to take the, the straight up Rangers win to nil here, Mark. I think the, the stats back it up and that price is just too big. I'd have that more two to one. Good stuff. Looking forward to all the tweets from the Celtic fans reminding <laughs> reminding me about this and reminding us about calling it the old firm as apparently Rangers died a few years ago. Uh, yes, I know, guys, give it a rest. Uh, there's more important things to worry about in life than not calling it the old firm. So anyway, we will call it the old firm and hopefully the guys have picked out a few value angles for the weekend's game. So business time now. Uh, naps, next bests and long shots, starting with the latter. As always, Will, what's your long shot, please? Yeah, um, Premier League long shot again. And yeah, as as alluded to, I'm, I'm going to um, play on something in a Villa game again. Um, loving their work at the moment. Um, another 1-1 one, one, one against Chelsea was a fantastic result. And if they can win their games in hand, they'd just be one point behind Liverpool and United. Um, <laughs> which amazing. Is amazing, yeah. And I like that, that Dean Smith opted for that full-strength side against Chelsea on the uh, 28th and... He said, you know, you've checked with his players and did they want to play? Were they were they 
like and it had enough energy to play and they all obviously screamed at it wanted to play so um three days off now they should be okay to do the same again um i think they'll give united a big a bit of a game here for sure um but it's more of a, a card place play again as <laughs> with my 80 percent turnover being on cards um last season's fashionable card pick was whoever was facing a diamond trailer away and uh that's still a worthy venture, but it's kind of tailed off a bit. And there's only one clear king of the fouled um, around now, which is which is Jack Grealish. Um, 4.6 times fouled per game. Next behind him being Zaha on three. Um, so he's uh, he's tending to play central if Watkins... Well, it depends who the opposition is, but he's, he's kind of playing in a midfield three behind Watkins sometimes, or he's playing left wing. But whatever he does, he kind of sent... He does, draw more to the left, jinx more into the left, even if he is in, in the middle of that three behind Watkins. Um, so my my feeling was to kind of look at who he'd be facing. Um, he's, uh, he's He'll be up against uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who's been, who had been cautioned, yeah, eight times in 35 games last season, is so far cardless. Um, but obviously he hasn't faced faced Grealish yet. Um, referee is Michael Oliver, who's who's refed Villa twice since July. Um, I didn't look back further than that, but he's given Grealish a lot of protection in both of those games. He blew for a, a foul against um, Grealish seven times against Brighton last month um, and then red-carded Tarek Lamptey in the end, who uh, had four fouls in total, three of them on Grealish. And then he blew for a foul twice um against uh, Grealish in West Ham v Villa um, in the last game of the season in, in July. Uh, and he carded Ryan Fredericks, who played left back that day as well. Sorry, right back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely good ammunition to go off there in terms of referee data. Um, and I think there's also some, <laughs> there's been some few rumours going around about why, why does Grealish wear children's shin pads and keep his socks low? Um, apparently, um, it's not because they don't make socks big enough. It's that he, his socks shrunk in uh, in the wash a few years back, and uh, apparently they wouldn't go any higher up, according to him anyway. And so he had a great he had a great season. So it became superstition that he would just keep his socks low. Um, but I'm pretty sure the kit man washes everyone's socks together, right? And more than and they probably have more than one pair of socks as well. So I think he's just trying to show off his calves, um, which I probably would do as well if mine looked like that. But Clearly, uh, his opposition right backs are, are getting a bit annoyed with his um, annoyed with his style as well. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. And then looking at um, Michael Oliver, he's um, at three point three three cards per game and twenty two fouls, um, which is mid table for this season. And lifetime wise, it's he's basically stayed at his consistency of three point three nine. So he hasn't tailed off like many of the other referees have in the Premier League, like like we mentioned. Um, sort of gone up to eight fouls for every yellow card um, in the Premier League in, in, on average. But but Oliver is still giving a card for every 6.7 fouls in 12 outings so far. So he's got, you know, I think it's a good appointment for this. Um, and then, yeah, like mainly my, I, I thought the price was was very good. Um, it's not pulling through properly on odds checker due to Wan-Bissaka's hyphen in his surname. So the only prices you can see on there at the moment are 888 Sport <clears throat> um, at 9 to 2. But actually, Bet365 have it at 11 to 2. Um, and it's only 18 to 5 elsewhere. 
uh, with Bet Victor. So I think 11 to 2 on a right back, any right back, um, would be a good price at the moment for for Villa uh, for whoever Grealish is up against. It's hard to kind of say exactly what that price should be, um, but he hasn't been carded yet this season. But um, eight in 35 last season would suggest more sort of a one in one in four, one in five chance. So so probably lower towards three or four to one. Um, and I couldn't put anyone off uh, a red card in this game as well. As mentioned, they've now, yeah, like I said, right at the beginning of the podcast, they've, there's been 11 reds in the Premier League. Uh, sorry, 22 reds in the Premier League and 11 of them have been in games involving Villa or Palace, six of them in involving Villa's games. Um, and you can get 11 to two again on that, um, which was the same price that it won out again in Bomb Boxing Day for my last long shot. And... Um, also, John McGinn and Esri Concer are also in the top 10 most fouled players per um, per game in the Premier League at the moment, which, which puts Villa comfortably top of the tree uh, on 16 fouled per game, which is four more than any team, any other team. So perhaps a United red card, perhaps even a Wan-Bissaka red card, but I'll go for the 11-2 on uh, Wan-Bissaka to be carded. Lovely stuff. Loads of options there for Friday night's game between Aston Villa and Manchester United. Over to you then, Tom, for your long shot. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to actually um, go into Will's team here. Swindon against Wigan. Um, I'm going to take a, a kind of a multiple, which is available on Skybet. If you go on the goals tab, um, you kind of get this tab where it kind of offers up goals, corners and booking points all combined into one. Um, and the bet that you can get, there's three different options. Uh, but the one I'm going to take is over 2.5 goals over 10.5 corners and over 35 booking points, which is 9 to 1. I think that's quite quite a juicy price, to be honest. I just think, um, start off with Wigan, really. They had that amazing game the other night against Burton, which ended 4-3. And they're looking like they've got some goals about them now. They're still being a little bit erratic, uh, to be honest. I mean, they, they had that good winner uh, against Accrington, didn't they? and followed it up with a 5-0 defeat against Rochdale, which kind of sums them up. So they've seen two 4-3s and a 5-0 of late, and I just think now they've got their house in order a bit more going forward. Um, I think that they can score here against Swindon, who've also been pretty poor at the back of late. Um, I think That's constantly... an understatement, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Will, Will will know better than me how bad they've been at the back, but Conceded four against Crew, uh, two against Charlton, four against MK Dons, uh, two against Gillingham, two against Doncaster. So they're shipping multiple goals in a lot of the games, and I don't really uh, trust uh, old Shezza to get get the best out of this team just because uh, the, the 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 defensive kind of makeup of that team didn't fill me with confidence at the start of the season. To be honest, I'm not surprised that. They're struggling after losing Doyle and Yates, uh, a few others, Anderson. Um, they've got Jack Payne, though, who was at Bradford, who, who was a good little player for us. I think he scored the other day. Um, so they do have a goal threat, to be fair. They've seen overs landing 65% of their games this season, too. So I, I think it's going to be a game where both sides will um, kind of go for the win. I don't see why they wouldn't. Obviously, uh, interesting that Sheridan uh, was at Wigan early in this season, so I think there could be a bit of needle as well. 
with the bookings. Um, four of the last five Swindon home games have seen four or more cards. Um, Wigan haven't been all that good on the cards front this season, but um, Swindon tend to get their opponents into a, a bit of a battle. We've seen that whenever Swindon tend to get two cards, the opposition tend to get two as well. And it has landed in two of the last four Wigan games. Um, so I'm expecting a bit bit of a contest on the field as well. I think it'll be quite end-to-end, which could leave uh, a few gaps for players to commit a few kind of cynical challenges. And from the corners from um, over 10.5 corners has landed in four of the last five Swindon games and six of the last nine altogether. Um, and over 10.5 corners has landed in the last three Wigan away games as well. And a lot of them are seen kind of 12, 13, 14 or more. Um, so it's just one that kind of stood out to me as being a, a game that will be full of entertainment. Um, two pretty poor defences, but two teams that can score against each other. Uh, and Wigan need to get results. And to be fair, so does Swindon. Uh, so I do think it will have quite a lot going on in this game and this is a good way that you can combine everything um, and 9-1 to one, I just think that's a little bit too big as a, a bit of a long shot and a bit of a fun bet for this weekend so that's over 2.5 goals, over 10.5 corners and over 35 booking points, 9-1 to one with Skybet Lovely stuff Tom, nice price there uh, I'll stay with you then for your next best yeah, this this is um, another one in the EFL, actually. It's coming in the, the same league as well. Um, and it's going to the bookings market in the Plymouth versus Gillingham game. And I was doing my research in this league yesterday. I seen that um, Gillingham seemed to be quite well-mannered away from home. Um in fact, Gillingham's opponents have seen the most cards in eight of the ten away games this season. And after seeing that, I knew that Plymouth have been pretty good for cards of late too. Um, and they've actually seen two or more cards in seven of the last nine home games. Uh, the Pilgrims have been carded in all by one game this season as well, which is a good thing. Um, it shows that they do get stuck in. Obviously, you're going to get refs who are very lenient in the EFL. Um, so it's worth checking which teams are getting zero cards um, and which teams are at least picking up one. It's good to see that Plymouth are, are right up there in terms of getting a card this season. Uh, Gillingham's opponents away from home have picked up two or more cards in six of ten as well. Um, and you've got a ref in Sam Allison who likes to give uh, quite a few by EFL standards, just kind of averaging between three and four, I think. So I kind of toyed between two bets here. Um, the first one was Plymouth to have 20-plus booking points, which is even money on Skybet. But after seeing the fact that Gillingham don't pick up many away from home and Plymouth tend to pick up cards, especially at home, uh, I'm going to actually take Plymouth to have the most booking points in this, which is 6-4 to four. also with Skybet. Um, I just think everything points towards that. Uh, Gillingham have kind of seen zero and one cards in so many of the games. I think it's only uh, only one or two away games where they've picked up two or more cards. So, yeah, I think that that's a value price. I've, I'd have this more 11 to 10 or even money looking at the stats. 
So, yeah, I think that that might come in a little bit. So, my next best is Plymouth to have the most booking points against Gillingham, 6-4 to four with Sky. Great stuff. Uh, over to you now, Will. I think you're going to take us to a league we've not been to yet on this podcast. So, off you go. Yeah, I am indeed. It's the, the start of uh, the A-League season, um, which has expanded to 12 teams now um, with MacArthur joining the league. So, um, A-League is Australia, just in case I making an assumption there that people actually care about um, the league on the other side of the world. Um, yeah, I, I, I quite often watch this league and I think a lot of betting Twitter do because of its time of day that it's on. So it's often available, you you know, 8am, 9am in the morning. You, you're not really doing much else at that time unless you're working. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, I had a, an angle in the Melbourne victory versus Brisbane Raw game. Um, it's been a bit of an up and down for these two teams over the last couple of seasons. Um, Raw massively overachieved last season. They, they finished fourth, um, scoring just one more um, than they conceded, which was a bit of an overperformance, really. Um, and they only they actually scored less than their hosts here, Melbourne Victory, who finished second bottom. So Victory had big defensive issues and goalkeeping problems, really. Um, and Raw won nine of their 11 games by by just the one goal margin. So you don't expect that really to to continue. They, I think fourth, the, the, the season prior to that, they had actually finished second bottom themselves, um, conceding 71 goals in 27 games, whereas Victory had finished third. So it was topsy-turvy. Um, and I think we'll see a bit more of a revert back to, to Melbourne. Victory's been, have been one of the most successful sides in, in the A-League. They've been four-time winners of the for the A-League final um, in 15 seasons. Um, so it was just a bit of a, a year of change, really, for them. Um, because they won, because they'd finished third in the 2018-19 season, they were still um, competing in the AFC Champions League, in the Asian Champions League, um, until just last week, really, which had been kind of the 2019-20 season's Champions League had been massively delayed because of coronavirus. Um so what happened really was over the last sort of month and a half, they've been competing um, competitively in the Champions League, whereas uh, Brisbane and the rest of the A-League haven't played a single game. Um, so that's, I think it's quite a big edge for them. They've played five matches uh, since November, whereas Brisbane had they played last weekend, but they haven't played before that since, since August. Um, and yeah, victory also have just completely... Turned over their squad really in those um, five Champions League games. They've they've featured um, two players have signed from Luton, Jacob Butterfield and Callum McManaman, um, Ben Falami from Ipswich. I can't really blame these guys for wanting to go and live it up in almost COVID-free uh, Australia. Um, and then yeah, they've also Nick Ansel's come from from Nyonyam in uh, Korea, uh, Jake Brimmer from from Perth Glory, Max Crocombe from from Brisbane Raw. Um, they needed a bit of a goalkeeper shake-up, as I mentioned. And uh, Aaron Anderson playing at centre-back, more kind of promoted from within. It's, it's basically about six or seven complete change in their side. The only um, similarities I expect that you'll see in their lineup compared to last season will be Storm Rue at right-back, um, Lee Broxham in centre-mid, in centre mid, uh, Adama Traore, not that one, <laughs> at left-back. Another Adama Traore. I think there's three or four in professional football. And um, Marco Rojas uh, as well, who's been there for years, playing playing right wing. Um, and 
so yeah really they i think that that edge around the um the fact that they've been playing um we'll, we'll see them do well they actually qualified for the um for the knockout stages in the champions league which was it's a tough competition and australian sides often have mixed success really um they were knocked out by korea's second best side Ulsan hyundai um so i mean that was kind of expected really for them but considering their, their low finishing in the season prior and the fact that they've completely overhauled this squad. Uh, they also have a new um, manager, or at least he was caretaker manager, and he's now full, full-time Grant Brebner, who's um, an old Man United youth product and um, played in the Scottish leagues for, for Hibs. Um, uh, and I can't remember what the other team was, but he's made he made 120 appearances for, um, for Melbourne Victory as a, as a player as well um and yeah uh so there's a bit of changeover with with um with with victory for sure they they had ola toivonen um playing for them and he was quite successful uh scored 23 in 38 games for them um but it didn't coincide with a with a success for the team overall so i think the change was was needed his style of play can be quite different he's very he was an old old player now he's gone back to malmo quite slow on the ball more of a hold up play it was just a complete different um, side to what you used to see the season prior, where they had they had this front three of Barisha, Barbarousis, and Rojas, who were just tear sides apart. Um, they're very quick to get forward, very good t- counter-attacking side, but but also just just really kind of just inventive, and it kind of left them really this last season. So so for for Raw, they've they've obviously played just that one. A League game, um, and then that was a one nil defeat for for Melbourne City. Um, even though they spent the last twenty minutes playing against ten men last weekend, uh, they did put three times the amount of balls into the box that, that City did in the second half. But they didn't really manage to to win the possession count. I watched the last half an hour of that game; they, they didn't really. There were a couple attempts that were, were kind of tame at goal. Uh, Melbourne City are obviously one of the better sides in the league, but. Um, in it, overall, I just feel that Melbourne victory at five to four could look quite a, a nice price in, in six weeks time, at least when um, I think we'll see a bit more of a revert to the norms for these two sides over the last few seasons prior to this um, last one where it was a bit of a, a topsy-turvy affair. So five to four for Melbourne victory um, at bet 365. Well, I mean, you guys never really fail to impress me with your depth of knowledge and your insight. Uh, just tremendous scene setting there on the A-League from Will. Superb stuff. Really enjoyed that. Uh, so now, best part of the show, I guess, is the Naps. Tom, your best bet of the weekend. Yeah, it was very interesting and in-depth from Will, that on the A-League. I, I, I wasn't aware that that had come back, so that'll be interesting one to follow um, I'm going to actually go back in on a bet that I, I've put up before um, that actually did not win. Um, I'm going to die on the Carlisle, both teams to score Hill, I think. <laughs> uh, they're, they're away at Walsall this weekend, and it just looks like a, a game that has to have goals, um, in my opinion. I think that if you look at Carlisle's actual away results, um, there's been quite a few one nils which is strange, but there's been so many chances for both sides. Variance has to swing in our favour here at some point or another. Um, the bet that I'm going to propose is both teams to score, which is 4-5 to five with Bet365 or 
If it's around 8 to 11 elsewhere, so nice bit of value there with Bet365. And I, I just think, given Carlisle, we've talked about them in the past, um, smashing the shots, almost 10 per game in the box, which is insane. Um, creating quite a bit as well, 1.53 expected goals created per game. They top the XG table too. And, um, well, from, from a ratio perspective anyway, up there with Exeter. But um, although Warsaw were kind of around mid-table there, they're actually creating 1.48 expected goals per game as well. So it's just a smidgen under what Carlisle are doing. And I've been impressed with them in recent months. I think that Daryl Clark's done a decent job so far, playing with a decent amount of attacking verve. But still, defensively, they're, they're not really convincing me either. I think they've got the worst expected goals uh, against figure in the top half, 1.3 which is worrying. Um, but it does mean that a lot of their games are seeing both teams to score cop, uh, 67%, including, the, the, I think it's the, the last three or four at home as well, um, are seeing BTTS and plenty of goals too. So, yeah, when you're seeing Carlisle, their expected goals created 1.53 and Walsall 1.48, I think that there should be plenty of shots in this game and it's just whether both sides bring the shooting boots because Carlisle, in my opinion, should have conceded a few more goals but they should have scored plenty more too and that will come at some point or another and I just think 4-5 to five just looks a bit too big to me. I'd probably have this more um, more 8-11 to 11, as, as you say. So I think that this is a, a nice smidgen of value here and hopefully, hopefully, Carlisle will be on our side this season because I've, I've backed them in various markets uh, to differing success and failure. But um, I'm, I'm really keen on this one given their opponents of Walsall. So yeah, hopefully a, a good game at the best, Scott. Yeah, fingers crossed for goals at Walsall. Uh, will, your favourite fantasy of the weekend? Yeah, just quickly, I should note that that Melbourne victory game is is early 8am on the 2nd of January. So uh if you're if you're nursing a two day New Year's Eve hangover, just <laughs> flick that on and have yourself a an out of body experience with a full a full fan stadium. So it's uh it's quite quite nice to watch the A League at the moment. Reminds of the old times. Um anyway, back to to Nap, yeah. So uh Brentford, Bristol City. I'm I'm not giving up on this anti Bristol City um March. Um <laughs> They, I felt we were unlucky last weekend when back uh, went back in Wickham to avoid defeat in a low-scoring game there. City, City won two one, but were outshot by the Chairboys. Although I, I don't think they had too much quality Wickham in that game. They then, they then basically both of those sides flipped it again the next game, and Wickham ended up winning, and City ended up losing to Luton um, on the 29th. And that City only managed one shot on target in that game, again scoring from it, which is something I've pointed out how much they've overachieved considerably in, in terms of XG um, scored anyway for Bristol City. Um, and now anyway, it's six defeats in the last nine. Um, whereas on the other side of the coin, we've got Brentford who are 16 games unbeaten. Um, if there's maybe one side that like Tom mentioned earlier, it's quite, we're not seeing much consistency from teams in the Premier League, at least where no one winning sort of more than four in a row. Brentford have had a few draws here and there, but they are, they're proving pretty consistent right now. Um, got over the loss of Watkins with Ivan Tony play, playing really well and being a great um, replacement for him. And 
Um, a good comeback in midweek over Bournemouth. Um, they were one 0 down early on Brentford, which is not something they've been used to. Um, Asmir Begovic ha- was helping to keep the scoreline down. Um, uh, he'd kept five clean sheets prior to that game as well. So I think this just shows just how good Brentford are at the moment. They managed eight on target and eventually found uh, found the two goals to get the win. Um, and they have way better options as well, the Bees, on the bench than City at the moment. City's big problems, as I mentioned before, is that they're, they're sort of fielding five or six academy players on the bench at the moment. Um, week in, week out, there's, there's no sign of long-term injuries returning until about mid-January for them. They, they're without um, Baker, Mawson, Patterson, Walsh, Williams, um, Brunt, De Silva, Sessegnon and Vyman. Um, which would make a pretty good side, just those players alone. Um, so they're looking at their options with loan recalls, I think, as well. Um, and Dean Dean Holden, City manager, has had to be quite pragmatic, really. He's, he's avoiding what, what he calls front foot football. Um, he did this. He did. I think he did think his, his team played more like that against uh, Preston in the second half recently. Um, but they were chasing the game, so I think it was more of a Preston are the kind of team that put the onus on you and put the ball in your court if they're leading the game. So it was more of a game state reason rather than Bristol City stamping their authority on something. Um, I just, yeah, they're kind of having to play a different style than they would really be preferring with if they weren't missing those players. And Brentford topped all of the charts for for expected goals, expected points. They should be eight clear at the top of the league according to expected points, whereas they're actually second. Um, and then in Bristol City, ranked 14th on most of these metrics. So the price, to be fair, does seem largely about right, really. It's 8-13 to 13 for a Brentford win, which is the same price that QPR... Well, Brentford were the same price to beat QPR. Last time they played um, a similarly ranked side at home. Um, Steady. Yeah, that's all I'm mentioning, nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, so I think eight to thirteen is probably fair, but I do I do kind of like this consistency that Brentford is showing, and um, there are more kind of things to this. I guess Bristol City have scored just two goals from set pieces this season, um, showing a reliance on open play, uh, which probably won't trouble the bees really because they've only conceded thirteen from open play in twenty two matches. Um, there has been a a, a big chunk of goals from most teams actually are coming from set pieces in the championship. So Bristol City are, are not reflecting that. And I think Dean Holden's been trying to work on that with his side. Um, but overall, I think Thomas Frank has wanted his side in that in that game against the Cherries to show a bit more attitude. And they came out and did that. It's real signs of a title winning team. Um, I think that there'll be a couple goals here. I, they have won a few games by one. Brentford 1-0, but I'm I'm willing to chance Brentford to win and over 1.5 goals uh, just due to Bristol City's inabilities really lately against some of the some weaker teams in the league as well. Um, so Brentford to win and over 1.5 goals is 21 to 20 with with most bookmakers, um, Bet365, Labrooks, William Hill, etc. Good stuff. We'll get in behind the bees this weekend. So cool. I think we've covered everything then. So I guess all that's left to ask you guys is if there's any other business, uh, anything you've not been able to mention that you'd want to share with the listeners, the floor is now yours. Who wants to go first? I can go quickly. Um, I did have uh, the Huesca Barcelona game to have a look at because um, Messi has been targeting this as his, 
game to come back from this recent little ankle injury. Um, on the data, Huesca are actually not too bad, but they're bottom of the league. Um, Barca slipped up again against Ibar. Uh, was it last night or two nights ago? Um, no Messi in that game, obviously. Braithwaite missed a penalty, had a goal rolled out for offside. It's been, you know, they're, they're starting to really lose, you know, sight of, of Atleti and, and Real, although Real did, did draw again last night as well. Um, I think if Messi returns anyway, I like Barca to 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 win this. It's just out of sheer desperation in many ways. Um, they're they're on minus one handicap, Asian handicap. They're eight to eleven. So if you if they win by one, get your money back. If they win by more, um, get a full stakes payout. I think that's a worthy play, and that's on Sunday night. And then also. I had written down a fair bit of stuff about Spurs leads because I was wondering whether we were going to do that as our game of the week. So um, I just fancy, again, another Leeds, uh, sorry, another Spurs um, first half performance. To, they, they managed to, to win the first half last weekend. Um, I think they're 27 to 20 to win it again uh, with Sport Nation in this game against Leeds. Um, there are a few reasons for it, largely just because of the fact that Spurs in the first half are really dominating. They've scored 16 in the first period and conceded just four. Um, whereas in the second half, they're much they're actually conceded now after after losing well losing to the lead to Wolves last time out. They've now conceded more in the second half than they've scored. Um, I do think we're going to have to see a change from Spurs and Mourinho allowing his side to open up a bit more because the fans, at least from what I've seen, are really getting quite angry at how talented their squad is and how restricted they are. They've stopped creating chances, um, just five expected goals over the last seven games. So, And obviously they are facing an informed lead um, who certainly know how to play with a little bit of panache compared to Spurs. But I think we will start to see a shift Um and even if we don't, Spurs somehow somehow seem to still keep doing it in the first half and then screwing it up in the second. So uh, 27 to 20 as well for winning at halftime is, is another play for me this weekend. Lovely stuff. Anything from you, Tom? Yeah, I'm just looking at the Bundesliga games. Obviously, good to have that back this week. Uh, it's kind of a, seems like it's a bit, bit of a shorter him runder this season, which is understandable. Um but there's two games that kind of stand out from a, a goals perspective for me. Um, they're both pretty sharp, but I don't mind the double. Um, both teams to score in Hoffenheim versus Freiburg and Cologne versus Augsburg pays around 7-4, to four, best price, which I think is quite a nice little double. Um, basically, it's four rubbish defences, in my opinion. <laughs> um, just looking at uh, Freiburg this season... They were massively outperforming the expected goals data last season, but they've actually been pretty decent. They're actually posting a positive uh, share of the ratio, which is interesting, um, especially given they lost Luca Waldschmidt to Benfica in the summer. Probably their one of their key attacking players, that. But they're actually posting 1.45 expected goals for this season, um, which is really good. Um Better than the likes of Wolfsburg, that and um, and a few others, and they they are shipping around one point three as well. So no surprise that BTTS is is quite a short price here, especially when you look at who they're playing in uh, Hoffenheim. 
who've been actually a bit disappointing. They've never been the best at the back, but they're leaking 1.85 expected goals per game this season, which is the second worst. Only Schalke fare worse than that, which is really shocking. Um, but they've always been a decent team going forward. Um, since the Nagelsmann days, they're, they're averaging 1.57 goal, uh, expected goals per game too. So that should be a goal-heavy game for me. Both teams to score what's good there. And the other one, yeah, Cologne versus Augsburg, which is two pretty poor teams in my opinion. Both leaking around 1.6 expected goals this season. Um, Cologne games have been rife for BTTS this season and towards the back end of last season too. Um, and Augsburg have been decent enough um, going forward. Managing to score in a large majority of the games this season. So that could be a bit of a shootout too. So they're both a bit too short to put up um, individually. But if you chuck them both in a double, you get around seven to four, which um, I'll be having a bit of a tickle on. Yeah, I like the sound of that too. Um, okay, I think that's the end of the show. Uh, just to let you guys know, the listeners, that we'll be taking a week off next week as it's the FA Cup. And I think these two guys deserve a bit of a breather. So we'll aim to be back in business on Thursday, the 14th of January. So in the meantime, do take care. Do look after yourselves. We're all in this crappy situation together. So please do reach out if you're feeling down or just want to talk football or betting with someone. My DMs are always open. I know Tom's are too. Uh, it's important we all look out for each other. And fingers crossed, normality will return sometime soon. Uh, so yeah we'll wrap it up here thanks very much for your time thanks for listening thanks for your support especially on social media it means a lot Uh, it really does make all the hard work worthwhile from these two guys so thanks of course to the stars of the show mr tom love cheers guys Uh, happy new year too and to you too mr william dyer thanks a lot guys happy new year this has been the wheel of betting weekend preview podcast happy new year chat soon